Amen. That's the first standing ovation I ever got before I preached. Amen. It's awesome. <laughs> or after I preached. Guys, y'all did an awesome job. Thank you. Thank you. They always bless our hearts anytime they come. And uh, you never know what kind of music you're going to get around here. And you know what? The Lord, if it's solid, the Lord gets glory through it all. Amen. And uh, so thank God for that. Good to see you tonight in the house of the Lord. A lot of you look a lot better than you did this morning. And I'm, I'm thankful. You got home, got home, got a nap, look fresh, ready to roll. All right? Turn your Bibles with me to Philemon. All right? And I'll give you a minute to find that. Uh, Philemon. I started it a couple weeks ago and uh, soon found out that it would not end that night. And we needed to hit it another round <clears throat> in a couple weeks. I forgot that I was going to be in revival uh, last week. Or I was supposed to be in revival last Sunday night. Brother Nathan preached. I was here. Uh, they uh, postponed it till Monday night uh, because of the weather or, or whatever. So you, uh, you get it tonight. We're going to finish up Philemon. That's our, uh, that's our ambition tonight. Uh, this morning... Uh, in the offering this morning, we got 36 of the 100 beds built, all right, for the 12,258 this morning, all right, so thank the Lord for that, all right, so we're well over a third, I saw some uh, checks in the bucket tonight, and uh, so we are moving right along, and one check's all we need, folks, that's all we need, all right, just one, just one. So if that's you, thank you in advance, all right? I'm going to read, I'm going to start off reading in verse 1 just for clarity and get our mind around this text of Scripture tonight. And uh, reminding you that this is really kind of just going to teach, more teaching through this tonight probably than, than preaching. But nonetheless, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon... Our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church in thy house, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayer, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I'd rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel." But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. 
For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou commit me therefore a partner, receive, count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or owed thee all, put that to mine account. I, Paul, have written with mine own hand, I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the time together tonight in your house. Thank you for the songs of the faith that we have been able to sing, those that we have been able uh, to take into our hearts tonight. And Lord, we do that in adoration and praise of your goodness and your grace and Lord as we thought about this morning that we can call on you and call you our father and call you daddy and what a wonderful encouragement that is in our life God tonight as the kids are in Awana Lord I thank you for each little face I saw as I walked through there a minute ago and God I pray that you had touched their hearts and Lord that They'd learn to know you and to love you and to make you Lord and Savior of their life. God, for those who help them and teach them tonight, Lord God, I pray that they'd care for them just like you would if you was in that room tonight. God, I pray you teach every one of us to be more like Jesus. So Lord, through your word, we ask your spirit would speak to us words of eternal truth and eternal life. And Father, that we'd have a willingness to receive it. I pray for my brothers around tonight that are preaching the, faithfully preaching the gospel. Lord God, they know the unction and the filling of the Spirit tonight. God, I pray for revival. I pray for a move of God among your people. Oh, how we need it. God, how we need it here at Trace Creek. God, start it with me, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Tonight, as we look at this text of Scripture, we're going to kind of get our, get our bearings tonight in verse 8 and 9, and head to 10 is where we left off at, really. Paul is starting to work toward the things that he really has to say, that he is preparing, setting the groundwork for really what's on his heart and mind. He knows that he is an, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has every right and he has the authority and he is definitely doing the right thing as he pins uh, these words to his friend Philemon. He says, for love's sake, I'd rather beseech you. He says that I compel you 
out of a heart of love and as communicate to you out of love. And I hope that you receive it as such, is what Paul, is what he's saying to his friend here, that all, all that I'm doing is out of a heart of love. He introduces really why he is saying what he says here in verse number 10. It says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. If Paul makes his way to the very heart of this personal letter, this letter that he is writing as he himself is in bonds, that he is one of the prison uh, writings of Paul, that he is there uh, in some pretty terrible conditions as he pens these words and Yet his own, his own well-being isn't what is on the top of his list. That he has someone else's well-being on the top of his list. And his main concern is others. You see that oftentimes in Paul's life. That he is consumed with the well-being, the spiritual condition, the welfare of others. I believe that's a true mark of one who is following the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't research it, but I believe that I correctly remember that as William Booth lay dying, the founder of the Salvation Army, that it was time for their annual meeting, that he wasn't able to attend any longer, and they sent word back. They sent word back to the meeting from their founder, Mr. Booth. What would you like for your people to hear from you? He sent back one word, one word only, and it was this, others. And that his life had been consumed and had been committed to others. And I believe that's a wonderful characteristic that um, marks the life of a servant of God, marked the life of this servant, the Apostle Paul. He had one in particular that was on his mind this newfound friend of his, this new son of his. Remember, only Titus and Timothy does Paul uh, ever refer to as son other than Onesimus. So we see that this Onesimus has become very, very important to him, very dear to him. Who is Onesimus? What does it mean? When Philemon heard the name Onesimus, he knew exactly who he was talking about. It's a strange name to us, but it was not strange to Philemon whatsoever. That he recalls exactly who this was. It was a runaway slave. Someone who had been in his household as a servant. And he had found his way elsewhere. And then by the grace of God by the providence of God that this runaway slave encountered a witnessing machine by the name of the Apostle Paul the last person in the world that Onesimus wanted to see and yet by some, some, some way or another that the Lord had an encounter waiting for him that he knew not of and he met the Apostle Paul, and as Paul seemingly always done, that he found a way to introduce him to his Savior. Paul was always busy that he had 
one thing, one number one goal in his mind was to introduce somebody to, to Jesus. You know, I myself, that I, it seems like I struggle sometimes. How am I going to get Jesus in this situation? It seems like Paul always found a way to introduce him to Jesus. And I believe that if I... If that's my heart's determination, if that's my heart's desire, I believe I'll get better at it. And I believe that we all will if that becomes our heart's desire because God's heart is for lost sinners. He desires that none should perish but that all would come to Him for salvation. And how's that going to happen when we have God's heart for lost people and introducing them to our Savior? And Onesimus, that He come to know Paul, and then ultimately he come to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ while Paul was in prison there in Rome. And so he becomes a son in the faith to Paul, someone that is very near and dear to him. And this relationship uh, that you can tell as he pins that it is something that is very special. Onesimus is not necessarily an unusual name especially for a slave or for a servant. It was a name that meant useful. Useful. And uh, Onesimus himself at this time wasn't, hadn't been useful to Philemon. But after God's grace, that Onesimus had become useful to Paul. And that he, Paul was confident that Onesimus would become useful to Philemon as well. What's kind of awkward about this is that Philemon, uh, that he was receiving this letter, uh, and Onesimus was standing right there as he did. He knew what was going on. It wasn't any, it's kind of awkward, wasn't it? Yeah. He knew exactly. He knew exactly what was going on. He was standing there, and what was he going to do face-to-face -face with his offender? Was, was he going to treat him harshly? Was he going to treat him kindly? Would Onesimus get a turn tail and run? Nobody knew exactly how it was all going to pan out. But Paul was confident as he penned these words that Philemon was a man of character, that he was a godly man, and that he was going to do what was right. Can the people who know you best count those things that happen? Going to do what's godly, is going to do what's right in every situation. See, that wasn't the natural reaction because as we've gone through before that uh, slaves weren't necessarily, necessarily treated all that kindly. Some were, some found themselves in some pretty good uh, positions, but not necessarily in a society filled with 60 million slaves at that time, that many of them were treated very harshly, and he had every right to ultimately take his life. But Paul had confidence that in the character and the godliness of this man Philemon, that he was going he was not going to just simply react and simply go off what he could do, but he was going to do off what he should, he was going to pull off what he should do in the situation. The best honor and glorify God. Paul makes some very 
forward statements. Verse 12, whom I have sent again. He's sending him back to him. Sending him back to his former owner. Do you see the change? Do you see real life change that took place in Philemon? Sometimes we want to, in, in modern, uh, modern Christianity, we say, well, that old boy got saved, but there's no change. Nuh-uh. You get saved, Christ is going to bring a change in your life. This guy was a runaway. There's no way in the world that he would be coming back. It's not natural. It's not normal. But God changed him. God changed him. And he was able to come back. Take whatever came his way. Paul said he sent him back to him. Receive him. Paul said that is my own bowels. That is from my heart. That's my heart's desire. That Paul, he had taken time. Paul, as he sent him back, felt like he was sending back part of himself. That's the relationship that they had developed. We don't know how long it was. We don't know what all transpired in this time. But there had been change. Verse 13, Paul really gives his heart's desires. He, you know, Paul, that he often found himself abandoned. Not real popular to hang out with the dude in jail. Know what I mean? You would... Wonder, will I find myself with him if I hang out with him? Those people that ran with Paul, and when it came to prison time, that when Paul found himself in the heat of the battle, oftentimes they would leave him. He'd be abandoned, and he would have to face that time alone. And yet Paul, that, you know, he was on work, work release. They just didn't let him out. He was always working. Always working. Paul never quit. As a matter of fact, he got much more accomplished in jail than we ever get accomplished outside of it. Because of it, because of his imprisonments, he says that, that even the Gospels made it to the palace. His life so affected those guards that came in that he was always sharing the Gospel. Don't you know they hated that assignment? He was always sharing the gospel with them. Paul said, Whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Paul's expressing his desire to have Onesimus even with him. He said, Oh, how I'd love to have kept him here with me. He says, As a matter of fact, I would love to have kept him because those people like you have left me here by myself, have abandoned me. He said, he's come in your stead. Pretty stout words, wasn't it? Paul didn't tickle the ears too much. He says, but in 14, he knows what's right, Paul does. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. And Onesimus, he was property, that's all he was. In that culture. I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's how it was. And, you, and something that's interesting that people uh, always uh, speak to when you look at the book of Philemon is, is the, the fact that Paul 
never did really take on, so to speak. He never really took on the issue of human slavery. Now, he tells them to look at him in a different viewpoint. But he never really takes on the issue. And this was the opportunity, but he didn't. That Paul's mission, uh, sure, he wanted people to be treated properly, I know, but his mission wasn't social justice. His mission was the gospel. That was his mission. And you and I as believers, that we should be concerned about social justice and do our part on social, social issues. But those things should never replace number one in our ministry, in our mission as a church. Our mission should always, number one, be the gospel. We take care of the gospel, the social issues will take care of themselves. Sometimes it's easier for us to get up here and rant and rave about the social issues than it is for us to be faithful about the gospel. So Paul, he addresses the main concerns, and he recognizes the fact that he's a slave and that Paul really had no right. Without, without thy mind would I do nothing, so that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. What's he saying? He's saying this, Philemon, I want, I want all this to transpire because it's in your heart. I want it to transpire because God is working inside of you like I sense Him working inside of me. That's Paul's desire here, and we see that being demonstrated. I'll tell you what's sad about this story. We don't really know what all happened. I believe I know. You believe you know. If, if I, man, I wish I knew. But yet it's not important. That part's not important that we know. We see the heart of God. We see the heart of these men who are involved. He, he, tell, he kind of reveals the story a little bit more in verse 15. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. That his being gone, him leaving for a short time is going to result in that he is going to be in, with him for an extended time. And that God, he says, remember that God's worked this all out. Isn't it amazing how God works stuff out? Stuff that we wring our hands on, stuff that we get matter and a wet hand over, and God will end up working it out. And we see him working things out that Philemon, I'm sure he, man, he, he could spit nails. He could spit nails. And God proved that he can still work things out. You know what? God allows things in my life and your life that I don't understand, that I wouldn't do it that way if I was running the show. But God knows what he's doing. And those things in your life and my life that, that we, oh, it just frustrates us and seems out of our control, know that it's not out of God's control. Not for one minute is it out of God's control. It says that thou should receivest him forever. 
forever. Sure, I believe this has physical uh, implications to it that he was coming back to him physically. But I think the broader and the bigger and the grander scope of this is he's talking about that they are going to be for, together forever in eternity now, which is much more important than him serving him temporarily down here. That's really what mattered. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. He said, not now, 16... Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother, beloved, especially to me, but how much more? How much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord? He said, you had lost a slave, but through that you have gained a brother. A slave had no special part. I said, sure, there were exceptions to that rule and that culture and that time and those situations, but... He says you have, he's no longer simply a slave. He's no longer a piece of property to you. But he is a brother in Christ to you. That, that this relationship that you now have far supersedes the relationship that you used to have. That's how it is in the body and the family of God. That all, we have many relationships in life. We have many different points of connectivity with people. Some, you know, our kids go to school with their kids and we know them through PTO or whatever and maybe they're on the ball team together, traveling team, maybe, you know, uh, maybe we work together, maybe they're at the service station that we go to. Oh, we have all sorts of points of connectivity with people, but ultimately there is no connectivity that we have that is greater than which we find through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are brothers and sisters in the Lord and as we referred to this morning that Holy Spirit that lives inside of you lives inside of me and we have fellowship and we have communion because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God we have that so there's nothing else that compares to it there are many brotherhoods or many fraternities in this, in this world, clubs and organizations. Some of them aren't worth a nickel. Some of them are just fine. But none of them, none of them compare to the relationship that we're to have one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank God for it that we have that relationship. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, Especially to me, again, Paul is highlighting Onesimus' value, his friendship, their relationship, and that he is a servant of Almighty God. But how much more to thee? He says, you've got, you've got a past with him that I didn't have, what Paul says. Now, you have entered into a new level of commitment relationship with this man that you've never had before and even because of your history that it supersedes what Paul was able to have even with him so here we get down to the sticking point of it all 17 if thou count me therefore a partner receive him as myself Paul makes his request explicit. He makes his request very pointed. 
He says, if I'm your partner, if we are co-laborers together, then receive him. Now, that, 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 that's going to be a dividing. Either he is or he isn't. Very strong that Paul puts himself on the line. It's kind of like, kind of like when somebody asks you to, can I put you down as a reference? You know what I'm talking about. Are they going to get in there and do a good job? Or are they going to make me look like a baboon? Huh? Paul put himself on the line because he believed that Onesimus was the real deal. And Philemon had, I believe Philemon had enough confidence in Paul's integrity, in Paul's character. He heard. He heard with open ears what he had to say. And Paul just didn't talk about it. Paul put his money where his mouth was. Now, talk's cheap. But if you get the preacher, start giving money, he's serious. That's what he says. If he hath wronged thee or owed thee aught, put that to mine account. Most scholars would believe that, that Onesimus, that he had stolen goods and took off running. That's what most people would tend to believe. Or maybe Philemon left, or Onesimus left Philemon in a bad and a tight spot. Caused him to be unable to fulfill a deadline. Meet an order. Some way he lost. But Paul said, I'll, I'll repay you. There's something that he owes. If that's what's standing in the way, that I'll do what it takes. Pretty good mark of friendship when you're willing to help someone restore relationship and invest yourself, invest your life, and invest your integrity, and even invest some finances if you're able to restore and make right a relationship that Paul highly valued relationships and I'm afraid that that we as a modern culture that we do not value those relationships maybe as much and hold them as in as in high regard as maybe Paul did because that we have so many casual relationships. You can friend and unfriend somebody with a click of a button, right? But Paul valued. Paul valued relationship. He knew the importance. He knew the importance of people being right with one another. The importance of brothers and sisters being right one with another. And really that's what we see here. That he is encouraging two brothers to make it right. Two brothers to get reconciled one to another. Paul, he says, I have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Uh, why did Paul, it, it, was, it seems to be un, the unusual thing out of the ordinary for Paul to have penned these words with his own hand. Oftentimes he used someone that, I guess, what dic dictate would dictate what he would say. They would pin it down. 
and send it. Maybe he didn't have, maybe they wouldn't let him, I don't know. But Paul makes it very clear that this is a very personal letter, so much so that this isn't somebody else penning these words. This is his own handwriting, that he is making this his very own. There's something personal about handwriting. And Paul, he says, this is personal. I'm penning it with my own hand, very near and dear his heart. Yea, brother, in verse 20. He's pulling in that, those family ties again. Paul is a master. That Paul is subtle. That Paul is very direct. That Paul is very forthcoming. And yet Paul is always building his case. Very, very lawyer-ish in what he does. Probably probably stems to all of him being well-educated beforehand. And that God fully knew what lay ahead for him and that he prepared him for all that history would need as he penned these letters. Brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. He told, he just remind, told him not many verses, you know, uh, as he started this, this letter, this short letter, reminding him that he was in chains because of the gospel. That Philemon knew the dire situation that he was in. His heart must have went out to him. And Paul says, it would really, really make my time here in this dungeon a lot better. If you would just forgive him. While I'm sitting here chained up for the gospel and you're free and you've got slaves doing your work for you, would you mind just forgiving him while I'm here in the dungeon? He knew what he was saying. You know what? Sometimes we need those things to shock us back into reality about everything isn't revolving around us. We're in a me culture and a me civilization. Think everything in the world, including the church house and what we do here, is about us. It's not about your preferences. He says, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. 21. We're about done. We're going to wrap her up. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou also will do more than I say. Wow. Buddy, I'm writing to you and I'm writing this with all confidence, knowing that you're going to do what's right. What was he going to do after that? He was going to do what was right. That's what he was going to do. He did. He put, he put the squeeze on him. But he did it for his good. He did it because it was right. He did it because he knew Philemon was a man of character and a man of grace. That's why. He knew exactly what was going on there. He was confident. 
in thy obedience. Can the preacher be confident in your obedience? That when the going gets tough, can he have confidence? Can other people around you have confidence? That you're going to do what was right? And not only are you going to do what was right, but you're going to also do more than I say. You're going to do a, go above and beyond. If he asks for your shirt, you're going to give him your cloak also. Or it might be vice versa. If they ask for your cloak, give him your shirt also. I don't remember. Are you going to go the extra mile? See, a lot of us that we're so, we're just legalistic enough that we're going to do what we have to. We're going to do the bare minimum that's required. We're going to get out the calculator and go times 0. .10. What's 10%? Write my check out for $25.36. How about rounding it to 26 Go above and beyond. See, that will carry you a long way in life. It'll carry you a long way in the job. When the boss is looking for somebody to promote, is he going to promote the one who does the bare minimum, or is he going to promote the one that goes beyond? If God's going to use somebody in an extraordinary way, is he going to use the one that does the bare minimum, or is he going to use the one that puts his life out there? I think we both know the answer to that. He says, and I have confidence that you're going to do more than I say. He said, and by the way, I believe the Lord's going to get me out of here soon. Can you have some place for me to stay soon? I'm going to hang out at your house for a little while. More pressure! I'll be there before you know it. I hope Onesimus that he can wait on me. I trust that through your prayers I shall be given to you. Paul believed that we are to take our problems to the Lord in prayer. You see, sometimes we get so spiritually minded that we think, oh, we're just supposed to pray about spiritual things. God don't care about this other stuff. You nincompoop. Paul was praying that he would get out of jail. Don't be so spiritual minded that you're earthly stupid. He says, you're praying that I'm going to get out of here and I believe that God's going to answer that. Friend, there is nothing that you and I should not pray about. Pray about everything. Everything in life. That's biblical. That's biblical. Yes, we spend too much time praying about our physical wants. Yes, we do. But friend, that doesn't negate that we are to pray about everything. Praying about everything. And Paul, he says, I know I'm trusting that your prayers are going to be answered. And I'm going to be at your house before you know it. Here that he gives some people that are Five of the six people here is sending greetings are mentioned in Colossians as well. Most people would say that Philemon and Colossians were 
joint, jointly delivered because Philemon, the house church, was in the area of Colossae. So there was a letter written here which was going to be read to the congregation in his house. And there was a church there in Colossae. I think one of the most, what, what ties, what ties this, this, this entire text of Scripture together is verse number 24. Th- this is the nail in the coffin. In verse number 24, <clears throat> the first person that he lists there, good old King James says Marcus, but that is John Mark. Remember Paul and Barnabas? They got crossways over John Mark because he was a mama's boy. Paul, he didn't have time to fool with him. <clears throat> He says, I ain't messing with him. I ain't got time for that mess. Barnabas, heart of compassion, always, always reaching out, an encourager. He said, come with me, John Mark. And Barnabas and Paul, that they parted ways. One One of those things that if I were writing the story, I would have left out. But yet two people that love God, they got cross with one another. And that Paul, he wouldn't wouldn't give you a nickel for John Mark. But obviously, obviously that there had come a point in time where Paul had forgiven and that Paul had accepted and that Paul loved and Paul appreciated that young man that he once wouldn't have given a nickel for. That Paul had learned to forgive. And Paul, as he calls himself Paul the Aged, that he have lived long enough to come to know what's really important in life. That we rectify and that we hold high and value relationships in our life. And that we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that we have been called to forgive and forgiveness isn't about the other person being worth forgiving or the other person asking to be forgiven we forgive because we have been forgiven that's why we forgive Paul, he didn't remember that in the heat of the moment. But he had learned to forgive. And so he transferred what he learned to his brother Philemon. said, forgive. Who is it in your life? Who is it in your life tonight that you need to forgive? If you have an unforgiven spirit, it's not about the other person. It's, it's on you, not them. <clears throat> Your unforgiveness just speaks of our own cold heart and our, un, you know, our immaturity in the faith. It's not about the other person. It's about you. It's about me. So tonight, I pray that 
to do business inside of your heart. Take care of that forgive, unforgiveness. Walk out of here having a clean slate. Don't pack that mess. Don't pack unforgiveness around. It'll destroy you. Don't pack unforgiveness. Be like Paul, and who I be, and do what I believe that Philemon did. I believe he accepted him, welcomed him back. But now, as a brother, to enjoy forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words that you've given us tonight, Lord, the instruction of it. God, I pray that we would be Bible believers, and Lord, that we'd be Bible livers. We wouldn't just come in here and talk about it, but God, we'd live it out. Lord, I, I pray for some tonight, God, who are being eaten alive. Lord, I pray for victory, I pray... God, you give them added grace to be a forgiver. Lord, thank you for the freedom that's found in it. We give you this night in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. Tonight, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And as we sing the song of invitation tonight, I encourage you and I plead with you to join in. Give it your best. Give it your all tonight as we sing. And if God has spoken to your heart, I plead with you to come and make things right between you and the Lord tonight, knowing that, knowing that we, all have, we all have those things from time to time. We need to come and make right with Him. None of us got it all together. If you got it all together, I'd stayed home tonight if I were you. But we don't. We don't. If he's spoken to your heart tonight, I plead with you to come. Brother Mike, lead us as we sing, I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Tonight I encourage you, if there's something that you need to do to make something right, I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to do it. If you know something you need to do, take care of it tonight. And I believe the Lord will bless it and the Lord will honor that. I remember Dad giving testimony of the fact years ago at uh, two buildings ago Trace Creek that one night some people started getting things right with one another and because they got right with one another they saw the hand of the Lord move in a miraculous way I believe there's a lot of folks quench the spirit of God in their life just because of unreconciled relationships I encourage you in your life 
Take care of those things. Don't harbor that stuff. Forgive it. Let go of it. God will honor that when you do. He will. All right. Uh, anything I need to mention tonight? I want to remind you the chicken buckets are at the back door tonight. Uh, $350 a bed or a bunk bed, all right, for a bunk bed. And we are one, over one-third of the way there. Uh, beginning of next month, we'll do it again. Right when your Social Security checks come in, all right? Uh, all right. Income tax, yeah. If you need to pay ahead, give me a holler. I'll come get it. All right. Thank you for your faithfulness. It's going to be a great, going to be a great mission project. And uh, maybe I'm, I hope we get enough money for 125 of them. That's what I hope. Uh, we do. We're going, to, we're going to build those rascals, what we're going to do. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great time. I ask you to uh, continue to pray for those who are in the bulletin, the sick. Pray, continue to pray for Bill Anderson. Uh, Bill's doing well. Had some pain medication that threw him for a loop there for a few days. Uh, but, but pray for Bill. Pray for Mr. Ulyss Grooms. Uh, Ulyss is back in the hospital this weekend. Uh, fluid returned quickly after being in the hospital last time. And uh, just, just pray God give wisdom to Charlotte and her brother and their family. I know how to best uh, take care of him. And uh, Brother Ulyss was Miss Helen faithful here for a lot of years. And uh, I'm thankful for them. Uh, they, they encouraged me in my life. So I, I know that they would definitely appreciate your prayers. Uh, some families, uh, the Vaughn family, I know they've uh, had a death in their family this week. Uh, Robin uh, Looper's stepmother uh, passed away, and uh, that funeral's coming up this week. And uh, it's Julie Woods, a, a great a grandmother by marriage type thing, that family. So they're, they're families. Uh, so pray for them. Lord, just give them added grace as well. And uh, you've survived springing forward. You feel like you've been hit by spring, you know that. It's Monday. You're gonna, you won't ever know what happened tomorrow morning, all right? And I uh, hope that you have a great week. And I pray God will use you this week. Be a blessing to someone this week. Share the gospel with someone this week. God wants to use us. He wants to use you and me. And I pray we'll be open and see the opportunities that God gives us to do that. I want to encourage you as we come in this place every week, try to find somebody new to talk to. To, to just, hey, I've never met you. You've been here for 20 years and I've been here for 19. We've never spoken. I'm Ronnie Stinson, Jr., and I'm glad to meet you. <laughs> Get out of our circle. Get out of our circle. The people you talked to last week, they're still all right from last week. Check on somebody else this week. People come in this place. They come here because they're searching for something. They're coming here because they're hurting. They've been hurt. They're empty. They need to know God loves them. They need to know some people love them. This two, two weeks ago, 
Mel and I were traveling back from Bardwell. And around the, I don't know, fancy farm, what, Thomasville area, there's a little block store called Star Mart. Anybody seen that? Star Mart, is that right? Star Foods. We had never been in there before. So we, hey, honey, I'm about stopping in there. She said, yeah, okay. So we stop in there and start, uh, they got frozen vegetables and frozen goods. They got a good little deli there. So if you ever want a sandwich, head on over there, that type of thing. But the guy behind the counter, he, he is talking our ear off. Friendly fella. He said he had just moved here from California. Just moved here from California and just, just talking. Asked where we lived at. And I said, well, we're kind of on the other, a little bit on the other side of the county a little bit. And just talking. He asked what I did. And so he says, really? He says, I've been here for five months and not one person's invited me to church. He said, I brought some church clothes with me so I could go. Been in Graves County five months. Not one person's invited him to church. They have now. They have now. I believe we'll see him at the promise one night, don't you, Mel? I think, but he was actually going to work in Wycliffe, so I don't know where he's, he may be living over more, more Wycliffe-ish way. That's sad. means we ain't doing our job. See, we've, we've become convinced that nobody wants us to invite them. There's still people out there that's dying for somebody to invite them. Dying for somebody to let them know they care. Let's be the one to show them this week. It's awesome. Have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed tonight. I'll ask Brother Bob if he'll dismiss us. Our Father, we thank you for all you do for us. However, when we don't know it, you're still taking care of us. We pray you'd help us this week to be your ambassadors to tell folks about you and do your work. We ask you to watch over as we travel home. In Jesus' name, amen.